Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Nuggets now. Hour of the Burns and Gambo show. We try very, very hard here on Burns and Gambo not to clutter your brain with a lot of math. You come to us because you don't like math. We get that. That's cool. We appreciate that, right? Like we're I hated math. I, you know, I don't understand the math they teach these kids now because honestly, like nobody's using any of the stuff they teach the kids. This might actually come as a big surprise to you. I was outstanding in math in school. And what do you use it for? What do nothing. You, oh, nothing, I don't use nothing. it for anything. Now, well, I mean, I use anything. it like problem solve, but not mathematically problem solving anything. It's just a good way to teach problem solving to people. But but I used to be very very good at math. Not so much anymore. Uh, no math, or at least we're going to try to keep the math. It was my understanding that there would be no math. And I was just stalling by I time bet. for Mitch to find that sound bite because I, I knew it was in there somewhere. The last math class I took was eighth grade. I took no math in ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Really? I signed up for algebra in ninth grade. I was they got me out of it and they switched me to typewriting within about two weeks. Campbell, I took so much math in high mm. school, I didn't have to take any in college. Like I didn't they, go to college. They, they, they looked at it and went, "Yeah, you're good. Your math credits wow. are all. You're you're yeah. fine. You don't have to take even one math class. You're fine." I'm like, "Thank God." Imagine like, being so bad at math, they literally changed the <laughs> curriculum so you don't have to do math anymore. Yeah, they I just did. They threw the white flag. They gave me. They put me in typing. I did typing. <laughs> that explains why you're a very good typist. You, I did science. At it. Yeah. I never took science after eighth grade. They put me in home economics. <laughs> I, I switched out. So I, this is a true story. I switched out. Science and math for typing and home economics. Wow, so you can mm. cook and you can type 70 words a minute. Yes. Congratulations. Those are actually practical functions. I can type skills. really fast. You, can, you actually do type very, very yeah, well. That's very better than, yeah. The typing was better than the math. Um, the Suns have a math problem right now. Now, we talked about the math problem the Suns had a little bit against the Clippers. Remember those conversations we would have about, yeah. oh, my God, the offensive rebounds and the second chance points and the number of shots and the free throws and the, and the Clippers are trying to win the math equation. Well, the Ringer, uh, very good NBA coverage. We're always big fans of the Ringer. They kind had a story today. They didn't kind of. They did. They have a story today on their website about yeah. the Suns having no margin for error and in particular because of not one but two math problems that they have right now in this series against the Nuggets. Math problem number one is one we've talked a lot about with this team in general. A lot of mid-range shots. Tons of mid-range shots. Lots and lots and lots of mid-range shots, which is fine as long as you're making them. If you're not making them, it becomes very problematic for you and it really becomes problematic when you're playing a team that's as good offensively as you are and the Denver Nuggets are as good if not better than the Suns are offensively and that's where the mid-range thing becomes kind of a problem for them. Yeah, and they really break it down. You know, just look, we know the Suns live in a mid-range and they said they took 49% of their shots there and over the whole postseason their rate has actually been a ridiculous 53%. It says for contacts, that's the highest rate for any team in the postseason since 2011-2012, a lifetime ago in the evolution of the NBA offenses. In in this year's playoffs, the next highest mid-range rate is Sacramento at 38. So the Suns are at 53%. Sacramento was next at 38. So they by far take more mid-range shots than anybody else. Now, here's the caveat to that. That's not to win, the way to win reliably in the modern NBA. In the past decade, 10 other teams beside these Suns have taken at least 45% of their shots from the mid-range in the playoffs. None of those 10 reached the conference finals. Mm -hmm. Nuggets in 2022 lost in the first round. 
Wizards in 21, lost in the first round. Spurs in 19, lost in the first round. Clippers in 16, lost in the first round. 2016 Heat, lost in the second round. 2016 Spurs, lost in the second round. 2015 Grizzlies, lost in the second round. And then three others are lost in the first round. I know, but that's... That's all of them. Then nobody has gotten past the second round of the NBA playoffs playing like this. Yeah, and as they point out in the story, against the Clippers, it worked. The Suns' offense was prolific. Against Denver, it's not working. They're not scoring. Now, it's two games. It's a small sample size, but this is the playoffs. It's it, it, This is what the playoffs are about. It's a small sample size, right? It's a best-of-seven series. You, you have to kind of live and die with small sample sizes. And so far, in this Denver series, the Suns aren't hitting those shots the way they were, and they aren't converting the way they were. And the problem with that is that you can, you know, against the Clippers, or it's one thing, especially when they don't have Kawhi. When you're going up against a full-strength Denver Nuggets team that's firing on all cylinders, even when they're not firing on all cylinders, they've got enough offensive weapons. You better make your mid-range shots if you're the Suns. Like, if that's going to be your offense, that's who you are, and clearly that's who they are. That's how they're wired. You better be making your mid-range because the Denver Nuggets, they're going to score. They've got Jokic. They've got Murray. They've got guys who can fill. they got Aaron Gordon. they got guys who can score. you got to keep up with them. Well, let me bring this point up. It says all those mid-range jumpers come at the expense of three-pointers. Sure. Only 28% of the Sun shots this postseason have come from beyond the arc, which ranks last by a mile. The difference in three-point rate between the last-place Suns and 15th-place Knicks is almost as large as the difference between the Knicks and the first-place Warriors. It says a second under-discussed opportunity costs uh, of Phoenix mid-range is that the Suns also rank last in rim rate among the playoff teams. Which is Denver's big weakness. They're That's, not very good at rim defense, which, right? which makes that very tough, too. The other math problem the Suns are running into is another one that we've talked a lot about. This is going to sound like a familiar conversation, but I'm going to put a new slant on it here because I don't know if I agree with what the ringer wrote about this one. And what they're talking about is the the amount of reliance on Devin Booker and, and Kevin Durant. Which is obviously something where it's the bench production, it's too much KD, it's too much Devin Booker, the, the the way the roster is built, it's all skewed to those two guys, and they point out that that you know they write with a shockingly shallow rotation following its midseason trades, Phoenix is overly reliant on its small core. They point out that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have combined for fifty-five percent of the Suns points so far this postseason. And then they go on to say that that's the fourth highest in the history of the NBA in the 21st century, right? Wow. Okay, and, and you go, man, God, that's, that's crazy, right? The fourth highest ever. And they say, okay, Kobe and Shaq in 03, Kobe and Shaq in 01, Kobe and Shaq in 02. They actually had a higher percentage of the team's total points as a duo. Hmm. The problem with this list, the highest scoring playoff duos in the 21st century, yeah. is that a lot of them won championships. The 2001 the, Lakers won a title. The 2002 Lakers won a title. The 2012 Heat with LeBron and Dwayne Wade counting for 55% of their points. They won a title. Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. They went to the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers are not a good example. Because what we just talked about is the mid-range game is hurting two areas. right? It hurts the three-point shooting and it hurts the rim rate. Those Lakers duos did not have any problem with the rim rate. Agreed. They agreed. had Shaq. But I'm just the saying. The rim rate was fine. I'm just saying, if we're making a straight argument on, boy, it's really hard to win a championship when you've got two guys who account for most of your points. Baloney. Yeah. Baloney. Bull. I got a whole bunch of teams who did it. I got a whole slew of teams that did it here. The Lakers are just hard to compare because they had the shooting and they had the center. So they had both. 
And, you know, that, that you know, the rim, the rim rate, the Suns don't have a lot of score baskets at the rim, shots at the rim. The Lakers had that with Shaq. Yeah. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Jonathan Gannon went from being an eagle to a cardinal. But is he really a goat being fed to the Lions? Ooh. Huh? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. That's good. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Wednesday. We didn't have a ton of opportunity to talk about it yesterday because we were so hyper-focused on the Suns. Losing game two to the Nuggets and being down 0-2 and the Chris Paul injury and things like that. Um, but we certainly wanted to spend some time talking about this because it is kind of a big deal. Yesterday, Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Cardinals, held a press conference along with his offensive and defensive coordinator. It was mostly to talk about the draft, but as you would expect, some conversation and some questions about the tampering and the draft. Draft pick the Cardinals had to give up to the Eagles for the tampering, and and Gannon, Coach Gannon, was on with Wolf and Luke, and then he had a press conference yesterday as well, and he said, you know, yeah, we've, I apologize, it was a mistake. I, I had a phone call with Monty Ossenfort after we won the NFC Championship game. He congratulated me and and asked me if I'd you know be interested in talking to him about the head coaching vacancy here. It was a conversation that wasn't supposed to happen, and the Cardinals gave up a draft pick because of it. Yesterday, Gannon was on with Wolf and Luke, and he was asked about the level of animosity that he's getting from Philly fans over this. Here's what he said. I got nothing but great feelings for Philadelphia. You know, they're the, one of the major reasons I'm sitting in this seat right now is because of my two years there. And, it, my, you know, my family and myself, we both enjoyed the city. And it's a passionate fan base. That's why it's a hard place to go play. Um, that's it. They expect a lot out of their teams, as they should. That's why it's one of the best fan bases in the NFL. Like I said, I got nothing but love and gratitude for them and I loved my time in Philly. You guys know that and I've talked about that. Um, and like I said, I'm very grateful to that city and that organization because it's one of the reasons I'm sitting here. But you and I talked about it earlier in the week yeah. or last week, this Philadelphia Inquirer story in which they went after Jonathan Gannon knives out over uh-huh. this over this tampering charge as if he were the reason why the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's it's they're looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for somebody to blame as to why they lost the Super Bowl. They had a team that was very capable of winning it, and they thought they would celebrate it, and they only got the one, right? They got the one with Nick Foles when they won the Super Bowl. I remember they, they, they lost one with Ron Jaworski against the Raiders back in the day, but they, they, they thought they had a great team. Now, they look at us, now, a lot of fans didn't like Gannon anyway. They didn't like the, his approach. They didn't like he didn't blitz a whole lot. He had four guys that had 10-plus sacks, but they didn't like that, right? They didn't like the, you know, the oh, it's Philly, it's hardcore. We got to go after the quarterback with everybody. You know, all out blitzes at times, corner bit blitzes, safety blitzes. You always got to be sending more than four guys. And that's how we play here. And he didn't play that way. And I think that they never really liked him. But I think more than anything is that they're looking for a scapegoat. They're looking for somebody to blame. And he's the guy. He he went up and left and took a job with the Cardinals. And oh, people just trying to put two and two together. And I don't think it adds up to four. Is that, oh, the, he's the reason. Yeah, he did an interview with Monty Austin for it. That's why we lost the Super Bowl. Nothing, nothing to do with the plays on the field. But they, we lost the Super Bowl. Because he had a discussion with Monty Austin for it. like almost like he wasn't he he wasn't in and then it didn't help Gannon that one of the players was it Gardner C J Gardner Johnson C J Gardner Johnson 
criticized Gannon for not putting them in a position to win. Yeah, that that was part of the Philadelphia Inquirer story, which kind of painted this picture of an Eagles front office that was furious about this. That that you know, according to the report, the negotiations about compensation for the tampering were done at the highest level, basically between the two owners of the teams. Uh, it claimed that the Cardinals conducted a Zoom interview rather than Austin Fort's brief phone call with Gannon. The Cardinals insisted yesterday. Gannon insisted yesterday it was a phone call after the NFC Championship game. It wasn't a Zoom interview or anything like that. Um, Howie Roseman is the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. He went on 94 WIP in Philly yesterday, and he was asked by the hosts, are you mad at Jonathan Gannon for what went down? Here's what he said. Are you mad at Jonathan Gannon? You know, I'm mad that we're talking about the freaking Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm mad that I got to freaking go back to that moment um, that we had a chance here to win our second world championship, and it drives me. All this other stuff, you know, I, it doesn't help us win games. So we got to move on from it and figure out the best way to win games. You know, that was handled at the ownership level and at the league level. Um, and for me, I, I can only control what we can, which is adding as many good players and as many good people as we possibly can on this team. I feel like the old morning show would have been like a lot of follow-up on some of these things. Well, you just go boom, boom, right, boom. Here's, I like it. Here's, the, here's the follow-up. You're mad at Gannon, and you don't want to say it publicly. No, <laughs> I did not say that. I did not say that. Yeah, trying to goad him into saying you're mad at him and you're you're mad at him and you don't want to blame him or whatever it is. Uh, Howard Eskin is a longtime Philadelphia guy who's covered the Eagles, and he tweeted out, and I I saw this story at ArizonaSports.com with a copy of the tweet. I know it's been easy to pile on ex-Eagles DC Jonathan Gannon, but in Sunday's Philadelphia Inquirer story, it was loaded with fiction. Um, I should say first, I'm not happy that Gannon made improper contact with the Cardinals, not happy with some of his comments in Arizona, but in the story to say he was distracted in the Super Bowl is ridiculous. What about poor punt and poor coverage on the return that put the ball on the five-yard line? It was not the fault of Gannon's defensive calls. Darius Slay losing sight of a wide receiver that led to a touchdown was not the fault of the D.C. It goes on and on. I don't need to read the whole thing, but he said it's all, it's fiction basically, and it is, it's this idea of you need, it's not enough to say the greatest quarterback of this generation, this new generation, beat you in the Super Bowl. It's not enough to say Patrick Mahomes did what he did in the second half. Philly's got to have a reason. They got to have a, someone to blame for no, blowing a double digit somebody, lead. There's always right? somebody to blame. And, and Gannon is that guy. Now, I'm not defending the improper contact that happened. It shouldn't have happened. And obviously, Philly was mad enough about it that there had to be some sort of compensation negotiated between the two owners. So clearly, there's some level of dissatisfaction there by the Eagles, right? I mean, they, they, sure. they, they swapped third round picks, for goodness sakes. But this idea that the Eagles lost the Super Bowl because of Jonathan Gannon being distracted by a job he may or may not get or an interview he may or may not get seems like the stuff of looking for somebody to blame rather than just saying you got beat on a Sunday afternoon. I think the simplest way to look at it and say, okay, how big of a deal was this? The the NFL didn't make come in here and like find the Cardinals and, you know, take draft picks away. They left it up to, to the two teams to kind of figure something out, you know, because you can in, like you could do a second interview with a guy that week, but you can't do a first interview like you could do a second interview. Mm-hmm. So 
was it Steichen that did a second interview that week? Shane Steichen, I believe, yes. I think he did a second interview. So I'm allowed to do an interview because you interviewed me last week. The bottom, the, the, the bottom line is, like, why did the Cardinals wait so long to identify Gannon? Why, they, had kept, they had a list, and they went through it, and then they added, and then they added, and then they added, and then they added. And, oh, here we go. At the last minute, here's, here's the guy we're going to interview. Like, you, you, if, you, if you had identified him, you should have identified him a little bit earlier. You know, whether it was Michael Bidwell or Monty Austin Ford, whoever. Um, so, but I don't think that, you know, the NFL not stepping in and saying we're going to punish you by ourselves, I think is just goes to show you that they didn't think that it was that big of a deal. Now, I, I think the question for us here in Arizona is, is any of this a big deal to us? You know, like, okay, we're not in Philly. We're not doing radio at WIP. Um, um, is, does this matter to us? If you're you a Cardinal Todd, fan, are you, you pissed about this? You remember when Todd Graham left Pittsburgh? Yes. Man, they tore him a new one. Yes, they did. They ripped him as the most unloyal, you know, guy in the world. He was he one was, and done, right? Didn't he spend one right, year there? Right, but he said, "This is my dream sure, job. Sure. I only want to be here." And they felt players felt betrayed and lied to, and everything. We didn't care here. I mean, a guy had uh, you know the guy took him to a Pac-12 championship game, right? I mean, he went two ten win seasons for ASU football. But when at, when Todd Graham got this job here, it was like oof. They, they got themselves a used car salesman because this guy, like, you know, he's going to say all the right things, but it, but it didn't matter. He went, he coached this ASU, and he actually did a pretty good job for a few years. Yeah, and I think the point that you're trying to make, if I'm if I'm hearing you right, is as long as Jonathan Gannon eventually wins here with the Cardinals, we, yeah. we won't care no. about any of this. I, I, I don't really care that much either, but it does. The one thing I will say about it, it is yet another chapter in what has been a very awkward book for this organization for the last 16 months, right? Yeah. The last 16 months for this organization has been really, really, really bad. bad. And, and I'm not saying this compares to some of the other bad, but it's kind of a continuation of some of the bad and some of the awkward, and that's what makes it very, very unusual. But I don't really care if they're upset in Philadelphia about him. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, two games into the series, and the odds for the Suns advancing in these playoffs. Is there hope in there somewhere? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns nuggets now. All right, 3.30 here on this Wednesday afternoon on the Burns and Gambo Show. Suns Nuggets game three not coming up until Friday at Footprint Center. But it sucks when you doubt O2. Does. You're up two nothing. You can take three days. You down O two. It's like man, it's a long time to sit and let that sink in that you're down O two. Yeah, and wait, wait and to watch try to yeah. and think about all the bad and think about all yeah, of, of course. And and look the the way it's gone down, you know. And then compounded with the Chris Paul injury doesn't make anything any better, right? Because it's it's now you know you're not going to have Chris Paul. Yeah, nobody knows how long. Um, the reports are he's going to yeah. be out games three, four, and five. Nobody knows for sure. You've got your pills in your hand, which makes me nervous. You, you, oh, I just... <laughs> you picked no, those just up grabbed, and I thought, everything okay? All right? You about to lose yeah. your mind on this one? No, no, I'm good. All right, good, good. No, I just get they sit... I guess they sit there. I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant is joining Call of Duty as a playable character. <laughs> so I think that that could be... You bide your time with that. I saw the Devin book. You guys, you guys Call jealous. of Duty guys? Not as much as I used to. Man, KD. KD's in Call of Duty. Is he? Looks yeah. just like him. Yeah. It looks just like him. You saw it? I, I did see it. Yeah. yeah. I saw where Devin Booker was very jealous yeah. of that. I'm not paying for it, though, if they're going to make me pay money for it. 
You'd have to pay money. You gotta pay money for the character. Yeah, sometimes you gotta pay money for like skins, like the character skins. You know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Looks like a badass on there. (laughs) Doesn't look so skinny. (laughs) Fragile. They've bulked him up a little bit, is what you're Uh, saying. Yeah. Speaking of fragile, according to the the odds makers, I I use that word uh, with a question mark. The simulation runners, the odds machines. Yeah, yeah, here we go. You want to talk about fragile? Um, They're giving the Suns a 13 percent chance of winning this series. 13. Yeah, we've gone over it, and it's it's true that there've been teams more recently that have come back from down to nothing. We talked about that strange year in 21 when like four teams actually did it. Um, But the reality is that you you put yourself in this hole. The chances of coming back and winning when you're down to nothing are really slim. I mean, you know, we 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 were remember it from more recent memory, but the reality is that there's been 466, 446 opportunities where a team was up to nothing in an NBA series. And only 33 times did the team recover from an 0-2 deficit. 413 times the team that was up 2-0 won. Now, we just remember the Warriors did it this year, and the Mavericks did it against the Suns last year, and the Bucks did it against the Suns. You well, sent me the link to that story. I, 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 it's not just that. There's a uh, there's a lot of recent history, you know, I mean, and not just you know, games involving the Suns, series involving the Suns, or even the one that just wrapped up between the Warriors and the Kings. What was it like? Six of them have happened in the last two years, three so years, there, right? For, there was four, four times it happened in 2021. That must have been an odd year. The Bucks and the Suns, they were down to Bucks were down to nothing. One, the Clippers were down two nothing to Jazz. One, the Bucks were down two nothing to the Nets and KD and one. Clippers were down two nothing to the Mavs and one. So the oddity is 2021. Now it happened once in 23, once in 22. It did not happen at all in 20. It happened once in 19, once in 18, once in 17, once twice in 16. Did not happen in 15 or 14. Mm-hmm. So like you, you look at it and you say, okay, it's there is some recent history where it's happened more. Now, we talked about this yesterday. Is it because of the three-point shot? Is it What is it that allows teams to come back a little more recently? The, the overall success rate of teams coming back from down to nothing is not very good. No, it's not very good. It's not very good. No, and if you talk about the waiting and sitting around waiting for this game three and this series resume, that's part of it is, is because we, we know we can feel it right like we can look at all the numbers and we can look at all the, 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 the simulations and the computer programs running the simulations and oh there's a 13% chance there's a 7% chance there's a what's in your heart right like what's in your brain we, we've watched this series so far it, it doesn't feel like the Suns have much of a chance to come back in this series if they do and we talked about this a lot yesterday it's going to be because Kevin Durant and Devin Booker need to go be off special. They're going to have to be special. Uh-huh. And, and Devin Booker in particular with no Chris Paul is going to have to be next level special, which he certainly can achieve, right? Like he's he's done it to the point where you look at his stats in the games where he's played without Chris Paul and he's basically been point book out there. They're good. They're really, really, really good. And they're going to have to continue to be good. There's no you've lost the margin for error of Devin Booker having an off day. That is gone. You've lost the margin of error of Kevin Durant having an off day. That's gone. Your only chance of becoming the 13% or becoming the latest example of a team to come from behind 0-2 to win this series is for those two guys to go off every chance they get. Unless, Unless the bench goes transformer on us. 
and turns in, turns in from a 1960 Volkswagen Beetle into a lean, mean killing machine over in a, a split second. Transformers more than meets the eye, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what they would have to turn Transformers. I mean, when, when it's a beat up old car, next thing you know, it's a killing machine. Mm-hmm. Like the bench would have to transform <laughs> into that. Like it's funny, I never thought of Transformer robots as killing machines, but when you mention it, I guess there is. That's what they were. Right? They were right. They transform. They destroy you. Yeah, you become a Volkswagen Beetle, and boom! Look at that. I'm a killing yeah. machine. Yeah, right. Just, I, that's what that's because that's what the the bench has kind of been like a beat up 1968 Volkswagen Bug. <laughs> The car my dad owned when I would when I drop me off at my girlfriend's house. I'd be, can you drive me off down the block? Just right here is good. Right, no, right here is good. No, you don't have to pull up in front of our house. Just right here is really good. Your dad drove a Volkswagen Bug. He had a Volkswagen Bug. Yeah, that seems very un. He loved the gas mileage or something. And mafia like. I know. <laughs> it didn't have like the number well, fifty three on the hood or anything. This was old. This was older Leo. This was older dad. That, 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 doesn't, that was my older dad. That doesn't seem to fit the vibe that I'm yeah. getting. From you and your childhood that you lived, based off yeah. of all the mafia stories, <laughs> you imagine De Niro and Goodfellas driving a bug. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of yeah. loosens the punch, doesn't it? It's yeah, like, no, and, and, I don't and see that? No, and uh, my dad was older. He had a bug. He had a Volkswagen bug. Dead. <laughs> Michael Corleone's driving a uh, bug in the car. Uh, it's, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work. I had to drop me off at Denise Augustino's house. I mean, it's just right here. It's good. Four houses behind it. This is good. Just drop me off right here. <laughs> That's what the sun's bench is. It's like yeah. that Volkswagen Beetle. Can you imagine that when, you, when you're a parent? Like how like heartbreaking that is when your kid asks you to drop you off in front of you know not like if you're the dad and you're driving one of your yeah. kids to a date dad drop me off like two blocks away so I don't you know really you're mm. that embarrassed by me yeah. that breaks my heart kid it breaks my heart that that I embarrass you enough that I can't drop you off in front of the house <laughs> yeah I didn't care that green Volkswagen Beetle uh, that's funny. I was like hey I'm not, dri- I'm not driving this when I get the when I'm in high school just you, so you, you know you brought up a good point yesterday though about and we have yet to see how this is going to work but I, I thought it was a really good point about no Chris Paul and that is the feeding of DeAndre Ayton because DeAndre Ayton that's the the two man game with him and Chris Paul now it, it can work with Devin Booker I'm not saying we haven't seen it work with Devin Booker but that's been a big part of Chris Paul's game is that two-man game with DeAndre Ayton. Does that, you know, get lost in the shuffle with no Chris Paul? Does Booker need to work extra hard to make sure that doesn't get work, get lost in the shuffle, assuming he's point book when Friday rolls around? I, I'm... Probably more concerned about that as well because DA for some he needs his touches. He needs his touches to be in the game. And if he goes three, four, five possessions without getting any, I, you know, I I feel like you could lose him. Um, he's a guy that's not as self motivated as as you would want him to be. But there is absolutely a connection between Chris Paul and and DeAndre Ayton on the pick and roll that you're going to miss. You're going to miss that connection. So I think that's what you look at. You look at the connection with those two and like, okay, can campaign give that to DeAndre? Can campaign be the guy that, you know, has a pick and roll with DeAndre? Is DeAndre's points only going to come from putbacks and maybe some floaters from Book and things like that? Book does a pretty good job keeping him involved. You know, I think I he's think gotten so. much better at it. But there was definitely a good connection between, you know, Chris Paul and, and DA. Yeah, look, if it is going to be point Book and, and we don't know for sure, we think campaign's going to get a lot more playing time. We don't know if he's going to start or not. Uh, I would I would definitely refer you to ArizonaSports.com. Our own Kevin Zimmerman has wrote a 
a really good story about Point Book, how it might look in a two-man game that maybe he could run with Kevin Durant to do exactly what we've been talking about this whole series. It's gonna be it's got to be Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. That that's that's what's gonna get you out of this hole. Those guys are gonna have to be elite. They're gonna have to run an offense that's gonna make those two guys get just a lot of shots. I would recommend yeah. you reading that in advance of the game on Friday because it might be what you see the look come out of the Phoenix Suns if Booker's well, run the point guard. You know when when Paul's the point, you can't do a lot of drop coverage because he's such a great shooter. So you can't have that drop coverage and you know kind of lean back and try to help on DA because he'll bury the mid range jump shot. But if you come out and you cover him and that that's where the real that's where DA really excels. So you know you want to take away Paul's airspace. He, he you know he, he'll hit the big on a roll. Like if you try to take that away. So I am curious to see how DeAndre Ayton plays in Game Three without Chris. We need you Suns fans more than ever to rally the Valley for Games Three and Games Four. Text the word "ticket" to six twenty six twenty. Get registered. Listen for your name today during the five o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game Three and Game Four tickets to see the Suns take on the Nuggets again. Text the word "ticket" to six twenty six twenty. We will announce a name in the five o'clock hour. How in the world did the Lakers win that game last <laughs> night? This series could be something. Uh, We're going to talk AD. about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It's absolutely my favorite audio of the whole day. I'm going to play it for you right now. This is NBA Twitter live streaming the game one last night between the Lakers and the Warriors. It's Taylor Rooks, Tyrese Halliburton, and Channing Fry. Okay. And they're talking about Jordan Poole's 85-foot three-point attempt with 10 seconds left. I exaggerate. It wasn't 85 feet. It was like 30 feet, right? Like the yeah. sh- shot from way downtown, still 10 seconds on the clock, nobody in his face. The TNT crew is like, man, well, that's a terrible shot. What are you <laughs> taking that shot? Come on, man, right? So this is the live stream of that. And basically, Tyrese Halliburton is the one saying, there's nothing wrong with that shot. That shot's great. That shot's awesome. Channing's like, this is so funny. Listen to this. This is so good. I'm not mad at that shot. He's wide open. Duck. From that far away with not with ten seconds, and you you have an advantage. I'm shooting it. I'm shooting it if I'm Jordan. <laughs> so I here. feel you, Jordan. I would have shot that too. That's why you here with us. <laughs> <laughs> he gonna be here with us. Oh, we don't, uh, don't uh, listen to him. Uh-huh. Don't yeah, listen to him. All star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot that shot in the playoff game next year. Uh, I, yeah, I hope you do. If I make it, it Shani, this is for you. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to take that shot next year in the playoffs. Oh, I want to do Channing. That's for you, Channing, right there. Oh, so That was a crazy game yeah, last night. So crazy on, game. on that play, Steph gets doubled. Like, they double Steph. Like, you're not shooting. Like, you're not. They're not going to let Steph shoot that shot. He's doubled by Reeves and someone else, and they swing it to Draymond. He swings it to pull. Pulls wide open. I mean, he's wide open, but and what? But when he gets the ball, he's just so far out. He's about seven feet away from the three point line. He, she shoots it; it goes up. The Lakers grab the rebound with five seconds left. They win the game, and uh, the Warriors at home lose game one to the Lakers behind a dominant, dominant performance by Anthony Davis. Oh wow, he, he was, was he good? He was the best player on the floor. Yeah, this is this is LeBron after the game praising AD and kind of comparing him to all the Laker great big men throughout the course of his the Lakers franchise over the years, over the course of. The- 
Raiders' existence has always had dominant big men and dominant guys that have been a force at the rim. That's why their jerseys are in the rafters. And AD will be up there when he's done playing, and you know the number three will be up in the rafters. And uh, it continues to show why he's one of the best players that we have in this league. And for us, it's, it's just a treat for us to be able to have such a dynamic player that can not only go out and get you 30 and 20, but also you know, command the paint defensively. That's in the present right now. Hey, LeBron. Okay. <laughs> Here. I'll take my watch uh, next week. <laughs> or a car. He wants a watch or a car from AD for praising him. 30 points, 23 rebounds. 23 rebounds. Five assists, four blocks. That was um, great performance. Kevon Looney, Anthony Davis was 8 of 12 when Kevon Looney was on him. It was like he wasn't on him. The How many, one, many rebounds did Looney have? Oh, he had 23 again last when night. When did you ever see two guys rebound the basketball like that? No, it, it's it's like his fourth straight 20-plus rebound game for Kevon Looney. He's been terrific. He so just listen, didn't work Listen last to this. Night. AD became the fifth. I was reading the LA Times today, and they had, a, they had this, this the game story, and I just read it. It said AD became the fifth Laker to have 30-point, 20-rebound game the others, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaq. I'm telling you, it's it's it's. I the, mean, thirty and twenty. It's the who's who among Laker big men, right? Yeah. Like like when you talk about the history of the NBA and the history of that organization, that that's like that's like a who's who. Um, it, uh, the, we talk about the math and the numbers, and again, I don't want to bury people in math, but it was just no. This math is fascinating. It's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Steph, Jordan Poole, and Clay Thompson each. Hit six threes versus the Lakers. The Lakers hit six threes total. as a team total. All right, that's nuts. Nuts part two. The Warriors attempted six free throws. The Lakers attempted 29. The Warriors attempted 53 three pointers. The Lakers attempted 25. How many three pointers did the Warriors take in the game? They took 53. 53 threes. Three pointers. Yeah, the Lakers took less than half that. And one, because they went to the free throw line so much, they kept the Warriors out of the paint. They dominated. They did, did, uh, everything the Warriors were getting was from the three-point line. They couldn't right. get anything else anywhere else. They, they, I mean, they, they really, really struggled everywhere else with their shot. And the Lakers just dominated the interior of that game. I mean, LeBron, he was fine. He, he didn't shoot very well. He was 9-24 from the floor. He missed seven of his eight threes. That's one of the big stories is that they, they won without a, a game from LeBron, yeah, but they didn't need a great game from you know a great game from LeBron. They still won. Look, I I sent you a screenshot today of the uh, the tabulations for Executive of the Year in the NBA. Yeah, I um, saw that James Jones got one vote. Yeah, James Jones got a vote. I, uh, Mark uh, Mark's from, got one vote. I, I was more curious about the Lakers because I I tell you, if they end up eliminating the Warriors and go to the Western Conference Finals, th- Rob Polinka. And the way he reconstructed that roster around the deadline, I know we kind of poo-pooed it at the time. It's working. They got Hashimura. It's, it's working. They got D'Lo. Uh-huh. It's working very, very well. well very because they, well. Because their defense so far. Been the, it's been the best defense in the league. Like, their defense has been really, really good. You know, Davis gives you that rim protector. I mean, the Warriors shot under 40.6% in Game 1. They were forced to take so many tough shots. 
Uh, they didn't score in the paint. I think they had seven baskets in the paint. They didn't really score in the mid-range. They were just jacking them up. But, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's been a good addition for them. Like, yeah, they did a, they did a good job. Like, defensively, the Lakers are pretty tough. Yeah. It's it's weird because you know me. And, and I think most people listening know this, being a born and raised Phoenix guy. I, I hate the Lakers. I, I hate the Lakers with every, with every part of my soul. I hate the Lakers, and I want them to lose. There is something that is fascinating about watching them play basketball. I don't know if it's LeBron's age and whether he's got one more in him even at this stage in his life and his career. Do you feel like when guys get older and they're nearing the end that even if you may have hated them forever, like you root for them? I don't know. I was thinking about that. I I was wondering if a Forever Suns fan am I... I, I'm certainly... I would never root for the Lakers. But do I find that I'm rooting for LeBron to get one more on his way out the door? I, I mean, that means I have to root for the Lakers. So I think the answer is no. But I cannot sit here and deny that I'm not at least intrigued by whether LeBron can win another one Look, at the age of 38 years old and being the main guy on his team, you know? LeBron was fine. He was everybody. everybody I think everybody liked him when he was with Cleveland. The thing that turned people away from LeBron I think was mainly the scope. Go, you know, I'm just talking sports here, not politics, but just sports wise. Going to Miami and forming the big three. It's like, oh man, you got to really leave Cleveland like that. Yeah, and that was like ten years. That was ago. so long that was ago. Such a long time ago. I know. It was the last time you was the last time you heard the name Chris Bosh. So like when LeBron went to the big three and the way he did it, right? The way he did it with the announcement. Yeah. I'm taking my talent to South Beach. He kind of became a disliked guy. Then he went back to Cleveland and he delivered a title. Like, okay. And I remember saying to you, he's not going to go anywhere else. He'll finish in Cleveland. Then he goes to the Lakers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and teams up with AD. It's like, so, you know, whether you like the guy or not, I think everybody respects that he's one of the truly greatest players we've ever seen in our lifetime. Yeah, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it's time to get you an update on everything going on in sports. And that includes the debut of the number one pitching prospect in the Diamondbacks organization today, deep in the heart of Texas. How did that go? That and everything going on in sports. The four o'clock reset is next on Burns and Gambo.